Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to another edition of the X Factor Sports Podcast. I appreciate you guys for tuning in on this Wednesday. We are at episode seven. Can you believe that? Great episodes. We got a great show for you guys tonight. Your favorite segment is back. Bet that. We will have that on tonight. We also have a lot of things that we're going to get into. We're going to talk about Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins. What's a good fit for them? What place should they go individually or where should they should go together? What will be a good fit in the NFL this season is two top-tier free agents. We're also going to get into the NBA. We're going to talk about trades. I got a segment for y'all called Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down. And this segment will be about the NBA, the trades we've had so far, the marquee trades, not these BS trades that won't move the needle. Trades that actually mean something to the franchises. We'll talk thumbs up, thumbs down. And like I said before, your favorite segment, Bet That, is back. But got some quick news for you guys. So LSU men's baseball team beat Florida two games to one in the College World Series. And that is their seventh national championship. They break a tie that they had with Texas at six. Ended up winning that in, in great fashion. They got blown out in the second game, came back in the final deciding game, game three, one, I think like 14 to two to clinch their seventh national title. LSU's looking like title town these days. The women winning the college basketball national championship. If you remember a couple years ago, college football, LSU won a national championship. Now baseball wins another one. Baton Rouge is looking real fun down there if you're going to college these last four years. So shout out to them for winning that. Leonard Fournette, you guys remember, running back, played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady, actually was in a SUV accident, but not necessarily like a collision. The truck caught on fire while he was driving it. Crazy story. So driving, he's down in Tampa. He's a free agent now. He requested to be released by Tampa Bay, part of it because Tom Brady retired, but wants to move on, go to another team. But yeah, driving an SUV, and it caught fire while he was driving it. Was able to get out without any injuries and was safe and was all good. But it's just crazy that this dude's car burned down like Angela Bassett from Way Next Hell was after him or something like that. I don't know how a truck just burned down from driving it. But it seems to be good. Also, WNBA news, the All-Star game and the starters, captains have been picked. You got Brianna Stewart, as we probably already could have guessed, from the New York Liberty is the captain in the East, and Asia Wilson from the Vegas Aces is the captain in the West. Also, you got Aaliyah Boston from set. If you remember Aaliyah Boston when she was in college at South Carolina, won a national championship with Don Staley. She is the first rookie to start in a WNBA All-Star game. So WNBA making history with Aaliyah Boston from Indiana Fever. Shout out to her, number one pick. She'll probably be rookie of the year going away, but made history becoming a starter in the WNBA All-Star game. Make sure y'all check that out this summer. Now, before we get into today's topics, let's talk about Damian Lillard. So Dame time. I talked about Dame last week when we were talking about trade rumors We'll see how the draft goes. They picked Scoot Henderson at number three, the Portland Trailblazers. So those two play the same position, similar styles. Dame's a better shooter, obviously, but they both need the ball in their hands. So we're wondering what Portland or what Dame Litter was going to do after the draft, how they were going to basically coexist. So what I've what I'm watching is I've seen this before, and a lot of my older viewers have seen this before, too. Do y'all remember back in 2007, 2008, the Minnesota Timberwolves had Kevin Garnett. KG had already won an MVP in 04. He's been first-team All-NBA. He's been an All-Star. He won defensive player. Well, he didn't win defensive player of the year to Boston, but he was the MVP. Took Minnesota to Western Conference Finals one year. Um, they kept getting knocked out of the first round early in his career. He was basically holding the franchise up on his shoulders. And then it was always a conversation every summer. Are they going to get him help? Are they going to get KG help? Is KG going to request a trade? Is he going to be the bad guy? 
And the NBA loved Kevin Garnett. So it was always like, if he leaves this small market, are we going to villainize him for being for leaving and trying to go somewhere and win? Or is it like, yeah, he's earned the right to go shopping, go into free agency. I'm seeing the same thing with Damian Lillard now. The parallels are the same. Stay with this franchise for over a decade. He's been to a Western Conference final. He's been bumped out, bounced out of the playoffs numerous times. He's been the best player on his team, carrying a franchise, small market. Everybody loves Dame in the NBA community. Even if you're not a fan of the Trailblazers, you're a fan of Dame. Same with KG when he was in Minnesota. Now it's getting to a point where it's like, okay, Damian Lillard has fulfilled his obligation to this franchise. He's given him everything he can, he could. It's time for them to make a deal in part ways, amicably. So the way they did it with KG is they basically laid out teams for him to go play for. They're like, you're a free agent. Go ahead and do what you got to do. We understand. He he even tried to reach out to Kobe. This is a story you guys probably have never even heard. He reached out to Kobe in the summer of 08, like two or three times, couldn't get a hold of him because he wanted to reach out to him first to see if he can play with him at the Lakers. So Laker fans that are watching this probably stung a little bit, but they got two rings out of it anyway, and they beat Boston in one of them. But you imagine KG and Kobe on the same team? I mean, you talk about two dogs on the same team. The West would have been crazy with them two. So obviously that didn't happen. He ended up going to Boston and they got Ray Allen in a trade from Seattle as well. And the rest is history. They formed a big three. One of the first big threes that we remember in this new era of basketball. So with Dane, I think the two sides need to come together and lay out his options for where he would want to go. He talks about he doesn't want to go on a team that's stacked or, you know, him being a part of a big three, but he does want to be with a contender. So what teams could Dame go to where he would fits the parameters of what he's trying to do? I think he'd be a great fit in Miami. If they do a sign and trade, whatever he does, it'll have to be sign and trade because he's still on the contract. He makes a lot of money. So with a sign and trade, you basically have to fit the salary cap of the player that's moving. So a player like Damian Lillard, a max player, you're going to need two or three players to match the money to move him, right? Because everybody's under the same cap. So to be a sign and trade, maybe they won't do it as soon as, I mean, before next week's trade deadline or uh, offseason. They may do it midseason. But what they need to do is, I think Miami would be a good fit. You can get rid of Tyler Hero. You can get rid of Caleb Martin. And you can get rid of Kyle Lowry. You get, and what what do you get in return if you're Portland? You get, School Henderson can start a point guard with Anthony Simons. So you got a young backcourt. You got shooting off the bench with Caleb Martin. He's comfortable coming off the bench another guard to play. You have leadership in Kyle Lowry with Chauncey Billups as the coach. That is a direct line from leadership to leadership at that position. So you get veteran leadership, you save your cap space, you get shooting, and your young core you can build around. So it, I would think that would be a win-win. Dame gets to go to Miami. He's opposite sides of the country, but he gets to play with, he gets to play under a, a championship culture, good leadership, you have Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. Nobody really thinks of them as a big three, but they're good enough players to obviously get to a championship. They've done it two out of the last four years. And I think Dane will flourish in in uh, Miami because Jimmy Butler's not a selfish superstar. He doesn't need the ball all the time. Neither does Bam. I think he can fit right into that heat culture and have the ball in his hands, and he has some help good defense, playing under Pat Riley and Spo, I think that'd be a good fit for him. So I think those two sides need to come together and figure out, okay, what do we do with Dame Lillard? Like, we give him the opportunity to go out and see where he wants to be. 
you hear a lot of these other shows talk about Philly. I don't think Philly would work just because the expectations are already there and you already have James Harden. So you'll have the, the remnants of James Harden. You'll either have to trade James Harden to Portland, which he ain't going to want to do that, or you have to get rid of a Tyrese Maxey, who's a young guy who they can build with. I think Dame with Tyrese Maxey would work, but you wouldn't be able to get Dame and keep Tyrese Maxey. The money wouldn't work. So the money works right in Miami. He wouldn't even have to change his jersey colors because <laughs> they were black and red. So he'd be able to do that. So I think that probably be the number one spot to look for. But I think it's time to let Dame Lillard go. I think the Trailblazer fans, like Minnesota, when we talked about KG, would understand he's given us everything he could. Let's let him move on. Go find a team where he can be successful in his career. Not to say he deserves anything. We're going to get into that later on in the show. But that let's see if he can go out and earn a ring. He did everything he could do in this one uh, in Portland. So let's see if he can move on and get a Marine on the East Coast. When we come back, we're going to dive into the NFL. We're going to talk about Dalvin Cook and Nuke Hopkins. Best places to see them go to play or where could they go together and play? This is the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Again, be sure to like, share, and subscribe on TikTok, YouTube. You can subscribe, like, and share on TikTok and Facebook. Also, we have an Instagram and Twitter, at X-Factor Sports, S-P-O-R-T-Z. Be sure to check me out. There's always pop-ups during the week, quotes, funny things, sports news, all that going on on all the social media sites. But if you want to watch the show, you got to catch me live. Wednesday nights on Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Let's get into the NFL. We have two stars right now, Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins, that are free agents. If you know anything about Dalvin Cook, former running back for the Minnesota Vikings, moved in seamlessly after Adrian Peterson left, only 27 years old. He's a four-time Pro Bowler. Still got a lot left in the tank. So he's looking to move. And then also you got DeAndre Nuke Hopkins. Started his career out in Houston and then went over to Arizona, played with Kyler Murray for a couple years. Five-time All-Pro, was first-team All-Pro three times, only 30 years old, 31. So still an elite wide receiver in a league where you need elite wide receivers to win because it's a passing league now. So we're going to get into what do you guys think about the teams they can go to and flourish, where they can go, what they look like, who they can help win. Obviously, they both want to go to teams that have a chance of winning the Super Bowl or at least contend. So let's start with Dalvin Cook. I think Dalvin Cook will look good in Buffalo. I think they have Naheem Hines. But he's not, a, he's not a bell cow back. What I mean by that is he's not a three-down back. He's not a guy that will get you 30 carries a game. And we know Dalvin Cook can. He's already proven he can. And they can share some of the load with Naheem Hines. He's a young back. And he does a little kick return, too. So that will be good for them. It What it does is it saves on the legs of the quarterback. He's running, trying to run everybody over out in Buffalo. And it just makes their offense a little more dynamic. Josh Allen doesn't have to carry the ball 15 times and, and, and bang in the red zone. You got Dalvin Cook. So I think that would be beneficial. He's no stranger to playing in cold weather coming out from Minnesota. 
He switches conferences, so he goes to the AFC. He's out of the NFC, so the team that trades him or releases him doesn't have to worry about him as much. So I think Buffalo would be a good landing spot for Dalvin Cook, and you can contend for a championship. That could be the thing that gets Buffalo over the hump, having a, a star running back. Take some pressure off of Josh Allen and those wide receivers, Gabe Davis as well. So Buffalo, I think, would be a good shot. Also, I think the Dallas Cowboys would be a good landing spot for them too. They just released Zeke Elliott. They have Tony Pollard. So it's the same issue with Naheem Hines in Buffalo. Tony Pollard has never been a back that gets 25, 30 carries a game. He's not your premier back. He's always played side-by-side with Zeke Elliott, and that's when he's been good. The games, if you look at the numbers, anytime Tony Pollard has games where he has over 20 carries, he doesn't do as well as he does in games where he has 12 to 15. You bring in Dalvin Cook to replace Zeke Elliott, that's an immediate shot in the arm for that offense. They got a brand-new offensive coordinator. I think you get a better look coming out. He, He stays in the NFC. He's familiar with the conference. He's a Southern kid. He goes down to Dallas. I think they'd love him down there as a running back. And I think he would do well there too. Now, they are still the Cowboys. So you're going to hear Weedon boys for about eight weeks. And then they're going to start losing because that's what they do. But (laughs) I think he could still go down there. And I think it'd be good for the Cowboys to go after Dalvin Cook. if If they have the money to get him. So Buffalo and... The Dallas Cowboys, I think, are probably the two teams that should be looking for Dalvin Cook, see if he can help them win, get them over the hump, because they're they're both two teams that are on the cusp of getting to a conference championship or a Super Bowl, and one's an NFC, one's an AFC. So I'm going to do the exact same thing with, with Nuke Hopkins, a place in the NFC and a place in the AFC where he can be successful. In the NFC – the number one team I think DeAndre Hopkins should go to is the Giants. If you saw the Giants last year, yes, they have the coach of the year in the league. Daniel Jones played well, but they have zero number one receivers. The guy they paid to come there and be the number one receiver was disappointed. You bring in a three-time first-team All-Pro wide receiver with that team, with Saquon Barkley, I'm sure Saquon will be happy to go to training camp if he know that DeAndre Hopkins is there. So I would say the Giants need to be looking into Nuke Hopkins. He comes in, he's the number one guy right away. And you have all those ancillary pieces around him, the number two receivers, Sterling Shepherds, those guys can go ahead and back him up, be on the opposite side of them, and then they can get their opportunities. And it helps your young quarterback that you just gave more money to in Daniel Jones. Give him a number one guy to throw the ball to. So I think the Giants would be a good fit for him. He's in a competitive division. He stays in the NFC, but the Giants made the playoffs last year. So you want to keep that momentum going. You want to show your fans. You want to show the city that you are committed to winning as a new coach. You bring in a guy like DeAndre Hopkins to come play ball. In the AFC, I've been hearing that he doesn't want to go here. But I think it would be a great place for him to go. I think going to the Cleveland Browns would be perfect. Again, a team needing the number one receiver. You already have um, Amari Cooper. So you think you got Amari Cooper and you got DeAndre Hopkins and then you got Deshaun Watson with a full training camp and a full season under his belt with the playbook. You still got Kareem Hunt. You still got, um, who's the lead running back? Can't remember the lead running back right now off the top of my head. And I pick them in fantasy all the time. But you got two good running backs. You have two wide receivers. You got Deshaun Watson, a good defense. So he'd be reunited with Deshaun from those Houston days. They'll have good chemistry together. I think think that would work. But I'm hearing that he doesn't want to play with Deshaun Watson. But I think that would be beneficial for him going back to the AFC in a very winnable division. You got... Yes, the Bengals are in that division. They've won it the last two years. But I think the Browns, if healthy with a Deshaun Watson, can be close to favorites in that division if they can stay together. So 
the New York Giants and the Cleveland Browns, I think, are the two teams that would benefit Nuke Hopkins if he wanted to go there. I think he should look to see what that is and see what can happen for him. Now, it's also been said that those two want to play together. And what team in the NFL could use a good running back and a good wide receiver? I would say L.A. Rams. Think about the Rams when they won the Super Bowl. They had Cooper Cup and OBJ. OBJ got hurt in the Super Bowl, but he was on his way to win Super Bowl MVP if he didn't get hurt. You have Cooper Cup coming off of an injury, coming into training camp. You got Nuke, Nuke Hopkins as your number one guy until you can ramp up Cooper Cup, and now he's playing opposite of another great receiver. The Rams haven't had a good running back in years, in a long time. So you get the Rams, you get them with Dalvin Cook, you take pressure off of Stafford, you take pressure off the wide receivers, you got a running game. Cam Akers doesn't have to be the number one guy. Again, they can share, they can split time as well. Cam Akers can take a step back, give him 20 to give him 20 to 15 to 20 carries. And then you again let Dalvin Cook be the man. So if there was one team that I could think of that both Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins should go to, I would say the Rams. Now, and you put a, a thorn in the side of the teams that you got released from because the Cardinals are in the same division as the Rams. You know they don't want to see DeAndre Hopkins twice a year now. So you do that. And, again, in the NFC, you got Dalvin Cook coming from Minnesota. He's going over to the West Coast, warm weather. It's L.A., you have a chance to go back and repeat or not repeat, but go back to a Super Bowl. You still got some Super Bowl champions on that team. I think that will rejuvenate Matthew Stafford after having a disappointing season last year and getting hurt in the end. So I think that'd be a good spot for them. They got a young, likable coach in McVay. He's a player's coach. So those would be the options for me. I think the Rams is a good spot for them both if they play together. I think as a receiver, going to the Browns or the Giants as a running back, going to the Cowboys or Buffalo Bills. You guys let me know. You can always respond, like, share, get on YouTube, put in your comments during the live episodes. I can see what you guys think. Let me know what you guys think. What will be a good spot for either of these players to go to, DeAndre Hopkins or Dalvin Cook, or where it would be a good spot for them to go together? You guys let me know. When we come back, we'll get into the NBA. We got some trades that have been made so far. It's still summertime early, so trades will be happening like crazy. But we're going to get into some of the trades that have just happened this over the last week. And we're going to see if we give them a thumbs up or a thumbs down. This is the X Factor Sports Podcast. We'll be right back. Yo, yo, welcome back. Told you we're, we're back in it, man. We're in and out. Quick little break. Let's talk about the NBA and what has happened this past week. All right. So we got some trades that have happened. There's about five trades I'm going to get into. I think so. Yeah, there's five trades I want to get into. But we're going to have a little fun with it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring the trade up, where the player went, the player and where they went, what team they went to. And I'm going to tell you if I give them a thumbs up or a thumbs down and why. All right. So let's start with the probably the best trade of the offseason so far. Bradley Bill to the Phoenix Suns. We're going to go ahead and give that a thumbs up. All right. Thumbs up for that trade for the Phoenix Suns. 
You get, for the Suns, they get a veteran who wants to win. He's younger than Chris Paul. He doesn't mind sharing with another teammate. He played all those years with John Wall in Washington, so he has no problem sharing the sugar with another guard, another great player that can play. He's played in All-Stars. He's played on USA teams. He's played with, with great players. So I think he's at a place in his career, eight, nine years in. I think he's a 10-year vet now, actually, that he's at a place now where he's ready to win. And I think Phoenix is a good spot for him. And I think the Wizards, they get to rebuild. They let go of Porzingis. They let Bradley Beal go. Now you can rebuild with some younger guys. And they did right by their star. That's the thing you want to do when you are in professional sports. You want to do right by your superstars, especially if you plan on being a good team in the future. If you don't treat your superstars right, when you start building and getting better, you want superstars to, you want your franchise to be a destination spot for those superstars in the future. So that'll be remembered. Everybody will remember the Washington Wizards. Treated Bradley Bill right. He was a superstar. He did great things in the city, in D.C., and they let him move on smooth sailing. So it was all good. They even did Chris Paul a good They even did Chris Paul well by setting him up and letting him go where he wanted to go. So I will give that a thumbs up. The next trade we got, Chris Stapps Porzingis to the Boston Celtics. A lot of people were jumping up and down, excited. Oh, Boston got another good player. Thumbs down for this trade, all right? This gets a thumbs down for me. I'll tell you why. The Celtics were good talent-wise. They didn't need any more good players. They didn't need any more bigs to clog up the middle when you got playmakers and wings with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And you have to pay him for another year. So they have cap. They're going to have cap issues with that. They didn't address their point guard playmaking issues. That was the issue they were having last year. They didn't address the defensive issues that they were having last year with Ime Udoka leaving and Joe Azula coming in, just a three-point coach, offensive coach. They didn't address the defensive deficiencies they had last year in the playoffs by adding Kristaps Porzingis. Yes, you get a younger front court player for Al Horford, who will be 37 next season, but you don't address the things that held the team together. You lose identity with Marcus Smart and your leader in the locker room, your emotional leader. He was the longest tenured Celtic, so you lose that. And in return, you get a player that's a good player, but it's just an extra player to give the ball to and not a player that produces winning basketball. So I give that trade a thumbs down. For everybody that's excited about KP going to Boston, I mean, it looks good on paper, but we know paper don't play basketball. So I don't like that bit. Next one, though, which segues into what Boston did, is Marcus Smart going to Memphis. This is a huge thumbs up for me. This this trade is a huge thumbs up for a number of reasons. Number one, again, Marcus Smart is a leader, which this young Memphis Grizzly team needs if you've seen what's been going on this offseason with John Morant. John Morant suspended for 25 games. Now you have somebody to fill that void. You get leadership, you get defense, you get a, a true veteran, a professional at that position to kind of right the ship until John Morant comes back. So I think it was a great move by, by the Grizzlies to get Marcus Smart. And again, with a young team, so they lose Dylan Brooks. You, use, you lose that tough guy, a defender, and you lose... John Morant for 25 games, I think you get a little bit of both with Marcus Smart. No, he's not John Morant. He's not a superstar. He's not going to give you the spectacular plays, but he's a steady player. He is going to be a presence in that locker room when they need it. And I think that's all you can ask for when you get a Marcus Smart. Defense, like I said, toughness and maturity. That locker room needs maturity, and they get that tenfold with Marcus Smart. So I love that pickup for them, especially with the suspension of John Morant. I'm going to stay on this one for a while with John Morant. A lot of people were speculating or having their opinions about was that a good 
or was the suspension too much or not enough? And you guys can comment. Like I said, on if you're live on YouTube, if you're on Facebook Live, make sure you put it in the comments. I respond to all of them after the show. Was that a good a suspension? Too harsh? Too too light? I think that suspension was was exactly what it should have been. All right. So obviously he didn't get suspended for the crime of the guns. He got suspended for conduct detrimental. All right. You can get suspended for conduct detrimental. Again, he works for an organization within the NBA. So it's bad for marketing. It's bad for media, all that stuff. But you got to look deeper into the 25 games. Why that number? Why 25? You got to remember the CBA just approved for players to get all NBA, to get any type of honors for MVPs, any awards. You have to play 62 games. Think about it. If John Morant suspended for 25 games, he doesn't, he won't meet the requirements to hit 62 games. So not only does he miss the first 25, he's not eligible for any awards. He's not eligible to make all NBA and all NBA players get what's called a supermax. So you get an update in your in your salary. So not only is he losing games, he's gonna lose potentially. 20 to 30 million dollars because he's not eligible to make that money because he can't make an all nba team this season so it's hitting his pockets too so you got to think about that it's not just the 25 games it's the individual honors that he can't receive because he won't meet the requirement the minimum requirements of games played yes he can make an all-star team still but he can't be all nba he can't get supermax dollars he can't be an mvp he can't be defensive player of the year. He can't be most improved. Like he can't win any of those awards because he won't meet the minimum requirements of the league. So now knowing all of this, now do you think the punishment was severe enough? After getting knocked two times for the guns, I would say so. And because of that, Memphis being a smart organization, they pivot, make the move to get Marcus Smart. And he writes the ship for the first 25. So I think it's a good job on them. Thumbs up. CP3 to the Warriors. I had a conversation with one of my boys about this. Shout out to him. Hopefully he's watching the show. CP3 to the Warriors. This is a thumbs down. If I had three thumbs, I'd throw them all down. This is such a terrible trade. But <laughs> for a couple of reasons, I understand why the trade happened. But if we're talking about just the player going to a team, this is a thumbs down for me. He's 30, he'll be 38 years old this season. You can set your watch to it by May, he's gonna get hurt all the time. No disrespect to Chris Paul. He's a great player. He'll be a Hall of Famer. He's a little under overrated to me. Overrated. That's just me, the way I see basketball. However, it doesn't mean he's not great. But I think it's a bad basketball move. The way he plays the game, he slows the pace down, pick and roll. And Golden State is a free-flowing, moving team. They like a lot of possessions. They like shooting. They like spacing. And Chris Paul has just never played in that type of system. Not to say that he can't. He's an intelligent basketball player. But it's just a totally different style of basketball from where he's been playing for the last 17 years, number one. Number two, is he going to start? So we're going to Chris Paul come off the bench backing up Steph Curry. <laughs> Somebody that was a nemesis of his since he's been in the Western Conference, especially in those Clipper days. So we're expecting Chris Paul to back him up and come in with the second unit and run a totally different offense with the young guys. Don't see it happening. Draymond Green has openly said he doesn't like Chris Paul. <laughs> I mean, you can go back and look at podcasts, excerpts, any any type of media and see Draymond Green is just saying, I don't like Chris Paul. He doesn't like that him and Steph Curry work out together in the offseason and then the, the scuffles that they get into in, in big games over the years when he was in L.A. and in Houston. And now he's on your team. So if you've been following the Golden State Warriors during this dynasty, Anytime something has happened that has broken things up, it's been because of Draymond. 
So how how can we count the ways? They had a chance to win a championship 2016 where they were up 3-1. Draymond gets suspended because he liked kicking people in the balls that season. I don't know what it was about 2016, kicking people in the nuts. He was infatuated by it. But he got suspended for a game in the finals for doing that against LeBron. They end up losing that championship. He's openly said, I cost my team a championship. Then you get Kevin Durant, arguably the best player in basketball during that time. And the season, the third and final season KD's there, you get into it with him and break that up. I don't know if he would have, I don't know if he left because of that, but I'm sure the scuffle that y'all got into or the beef that they got into didn't help him stay. So there's that. Then you got the Jordan Poole incident from last season. And I've heard a lot of different talk about why that happened. There's a Michigan-Michigan State thing going on. There's money talks going on. All different types of stuff going on that led to that punch. It wasn't just one day Draymond decided to steal on him. So there's that. Then now he's gone. Now you get Chris Paul and here's somebody you've openly admitted you don't like. At every turn when something has happened with the Golden State Warriors, he's been at the center of it. And now you're bringing somebody in that he doesn't like. It just doesn't make sense from a basketball standpoint. So that's why it gets a big thumbs down from me. Now, from a financial standpoint, I understand why they did it. Because because of the Chris Paul acquisition, you get off of Jordan Poole's $100 million contract. So I understand that. You get off that contract. You send them draft picks from 2028, 2030. Like Steph Curry will probably be retired by the time those draft picks come about. So I understand unloading that $100 million money so now they can restructure to keep Draymond. So that's why they did the trade. At least that's why I believe. I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Paul is not there by midseason. This may be like a D'Angelo Russell situation. When D'Angelo Russell got the Golden State and everybody was surprised by it. Midway through, he was out of there. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that. But as it stands right now, that pick gets a thumbs down for sure for that trade. So not filling that one. The last one we got may not seem like a sexy trade, but I actually think it will be a good trade. It's John Collins going to the Utah Jazz from the Atlanta Hawks. So the Atlanta Hawks, I give this a thumbs up. Atlanta Hawks have been trying to get off of John Collins for a season and a half. They didn't want to pay him. Now Utah can give him that money, extend his contract, and they get picks over in Atlanta as well. So now you're building around, and they answer your question. Teams will always let you know, if you have questions about the franchise, what players are doing, where they're going, what decisions they're going to make, players will always let you, or teams will always answer those questions for you. For example, if we talk about Golden State, everybody was wondering, man, what are they going to do with Jordan Poole? Is Draymond going to stay? They answer that question for you by trading Jordan Poole, and now they're restructuring Draymond's contract. So question gets answered. John Collins, man, are they going to keep John Collins? What are they going to do with Trey Young? What's happening? John Collins leaves. Trey Young stays with DeJounte Murray. They're going to build around those guards. But what I think it's a good trade is John Collins going to Utah. Now you got him with Larry Marketing and Connor Kessler as your front court, the young rookie that they drafted. I think that front court will be good with Jordan Clarkson and with Colin Sexton. They got a young a young core that can spread the floor in today's NBA. They can all, the front court is interchangeable. They can all play three, four, five. They're going to be matchup problems for people. Defensively, we'll have to see where they are, but I think they'll actually be fun to watch. And that's it just takes gross coming out of my mouth saying that about Utah, that they may be fun to watch. But I think that's good for John Collins. I think it's a good change of scenery for him, get him in a Western Conference. His style of play is more of a Western Conference style anyway, where he gets to run the floor, he can dive, get lobbed. He's a lob threat, and he can shoot the three. So I think that'll be good for him to play in that, in that setting. So that's what we're looking at right now for trades that were – Good trades, trades worth mentioning, and that's what we got. So you guys let me know. 
What trades you think are thumbs up, thumbs down? We can talk about those as well. What trades you want me to talk about? What other topics you want me to get into with the NBA? When we come back from the X Factor Sports Podcast, we're going to get into Bet That. We got a five-leg MLB parlay. Don't go nowhere. This is the X Factor Sports Podcast. Gia. Yo, welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. We are back on y'all's favorite segment. We call it Bet That. This is where we do our parlays, where you bet on up to five legs is usually what we've been doing. We got an MLB parlay for you today. So the parlays we got, we got Cleveland Guardians and Kansas City Royals. We're going to go ahead and take the money line. We're going to take the money line on the Royals playing at home. They got a nice young pitcher, Austin Cox, 12 innings played, 13 strikeouts. And the Guardians have not played against this kid yet. I think he's going to play good in front of the home crowd. It's good that they got him starting at home, got to build some of that confidence. So I'm going to take the Royals straight up to win the game at home and see what they can do with that pitching staff. So if you are placing a bet, Go ahead and take the Royals straight up against the Guardians tonight. On the second leg, you have the Dodgers at the Rockies, all right? And the bet we're going to pick, we got over-under on 12 runs. We're going to go ahead and take the under on the on the runs. All right, reason we're going to do that, the pitcher's combined ERA is under 12. So you got a good pitching duel, duel. So I think they'll, I think they'll hold serve to that under 12 runs in this game. The line is one and a half. On this game, if you guys haven't been watching Bet That, when we talk about betting lines, one and a half, basically what Vegas is saying is that you can um, bet that the game will either go above one and a half runs or below one and a half runs for the winner, whoever wins the game. So I'm going to go ahead and say because the line is one and a half, they're expecting a close game. And with the two pitchers, with the combined ERA of under 12, I'm going to go ahead and say this is going to be a low-scoring game. So go ahead and take the under. You don't have to pick a winner of this game. Just take the under that they will get under 12 runs. Our third one, we got the White Sox in L.A. playing against the Angels. Go ahead and take the money line on the White Sox straight up. I don't know what it is about playing out west. They play good out there. We got ace versus ace in pitchers. You got Luis Giolito and Jamie Barrera. I believe that Giolito will get the win in this game straight up. The White Sox are 28 and 24 when they're underdogs, and they are underdogs in this game. And the Angels are 17 and 30 when they're the favorites. So you do the math. We got two ace pitchers. We got underdogs and favorites where the White Sox win more than they lose when they are underdogs with their best pitcher. So I believe that they will take the money line straight up. Our fourth leg, you got Tampa Bay Rays at Arizona playing against the Diamondbacks. Go ahead and take the Rays to cover the one and a half point spread. All right. Rays have a losing streak on the road, three game losing streak. I think they snapped that tonight. They lost last night to the Diamondbacks. I think they come back and redeem that. They're going to even the series with Efren. Efren is a good pitcher. So I believe that 
the Rays have something going on there. They'll go ahead and take that win, and they'll win by more than one run. So even if the game is 2-4, to 2-0, you still cover your spread. So I got the Rays winning and covering one and a half. The last leg, Yankees at A's. All right, the Yankees are out in Oakland. And I'm going to go ahead and take the under again on the runs. Seven and a half runs, I'm going to go ahead and take the under. Why would I take the under on seven runs? It's Major League Baseball. You'd think they'd be able to score more runs than seven and a half, right? Not these two teams. All right. The hitting is not great. These last five games, the trend has not been great for hitting. And both teams average under three runs per game in the last five. So if you do the math there, two teams combined, they're not even averaging six runs a game. I'm going to go ahead and take the under. The A's won last night, 2-1, to one, I believe. So I don't see that much of a difference. The pitching is... The pitching is pretty even with the two based on ERAs. But again, the thing that's glaring out to me is the last five games, the teams haven't scored over three runs. So I'm going to go ahead and take the under on that seven and a half. So you do your five-leg parlay. Go ahead and take the Royals straight up. Go ahead and take the Dodgers and Rockies under 12 runs. Third leg, you're going to take the White Sox straight up with Lewis G Lucas Giolito starting as the ace. Fourth leg, you go ahead and take the Rays covering one and a half point spread after losing three road games in a row, they'll come back. And go ahead and take the under on the seven and a half runs with the Yankees and the A's. So go ahead and log in, like I said, and like you can see on the bottom ticker, this is a disclaimer, This I'm not a bookie, I am not Vegas, I'm not MGM, but I love talking sports. I love talking betting. This is what I think will happen today. So go ahead and log in wherever you log in at, place these bets, and bet that. All right, when we come back, we'll get into the two-minute warning. Got something for you guys, and we'll close the show out. This is the X-Factor Sports Podcast. We'll be right back. Yo, welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. Again, appreciate you guys for tuning in on episode seven. It's been a great show. Let's end it off right. So let's talk about deserve versus earned. I kind of touched on it earlier in the episode, but a lot of people have been talking to me about such and such deserves a championship. Such and such deserves this and that. Listen. I'm tired of hearing that players deserve a ring. Nobody deserves a ring, okay? There's no such thing as, oh, he played on this team for so many years. He's been in the league this long. He deserves a ring. You earn a ring. You earn the right to win. Like, you don't, nothing is deserved of anything. So that's how you got to think about life. 
Nobody deserves a good job. Nobody deserves a family, a car, a house. You earn those things by what you put into it. So I don't want to hear that these certain players deserve a ring because they played for so long. No, that's the wrong mentality. You have to earn the right to play in a championship, earn the right to get that house, earn the right to get that job by the work you put in. And then it doesn't seem like luck. It doesn't seem like a surprise. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's gotta be the mental, that's gotta be the mindset is stop thinking you deserve things in life. You have to work hard. Opportunity meets work ethic. And that's when you get what you earn, right? You don't deserve anything. So I just say that, man. You take that with you, the mindset of deserving, you remove that with the mindset of earning because of what you put into it. And you know it's supposed to be yours. This is Jay Mondane, the X Factor Sports Podcast. I appreciate all you guys for tuning in. Have a safe 4th of July, and I'll check you guys next week, episode 8. Might even do something about Kobe because it's episode 8. I don't know. You got to come check me out to see. Y'all have a good week, man. Take it easy. Peace.